Which of UCLA's last two signees for the class of 23 has the better chance of being Pac-12 freshman of the year? Might not be who you think. And UCLA football might have to re-recruit a top recruit and can maybe snag another from a decommit. All that and more on Locked On UCLA. You are Locked On UCLA, your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of the Locked On UCLA Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Anderson. Yoxheimer, thanks for making this show your first listen each and every day. It's free wherever you get your podcast, and it's available on YouTube. So like, comment, and subscribe. Thanks for your support. And if you're an everyday, you would have heard us talk about UCLA Utah or to heard me talk about the, the fight between whether Chip Kelly is beloved or despised by the UCLA fan base based on his win-loss record. And yet here he is somewhat trending upward in, compared to wins and losses as opposed to his first three seasons. We'll see how that plays out during the UCLA football bye week. Where we start is a, a mini battle of sorts, Bedeke versus Adayamata for who could be Pac-12 freshman of the year just between those two guys. And this episode of Locked on UCLA brought to you by eBay Motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with your vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit. eBayMotors.com. Let's ride. eBay Guaranteed Fit is only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So to have a championship team, Mick Cronin in the class of 23 had to get a little bit... You know, creative. You losing Jaime Hawkins Jr., Tiger, Singleton. You lost Jalen Clark. A lot of big guys, a lot of important pieces on this team are no longer there for UCLA coming into 2023 into 2024. In addition to getting three domestic recruits, I guess is the best way to call them, the Devin Williams, Brandon Williams, and Sebastian Mack. We do expect big things from Mack. We saw how important he was scoring and shooting the basketball on the overseas trip to Spain. Mac got a lot of volume shooting, not efficient, though. The two players who did not play in terms of the freshmen were Bereke, Buyuk Tunjel, and Adayamara. We'll pause for a second. I think finally I might have understood I can get the names. I think I can pronounce their names. It helped them, the UCLA website. They finally posted them saying their names after waiting for it. And I think I can finally get it. Berke, William Tunjel, and then Adai Mara. I've had Adai's name, I think, correct for a while. But Berke, I've been butchering it since the beginning of time. I think I've got it. Besides that, here's a bigger point. Who is going to win Pac-12 Freshman of the Year and, more importantly, thus become a, not in a more important piece, but important in terms of UCLA's ability to win? Both these players playing well will obviously lead to UCLA going deep in March, if the team is gelling and clicking in the later stages of the 24 part of this upcoming season, as the Bruins will head now to Honolulu to play in the Maui Invitational, you get to go and play Maryland at home, you play at Villanova, you get the two games against Arizona, the two games against SC, a lot of fun games coming up this season for UCLA, probably on national television and many other West Coast games to prove their worth for a team that's not even in ESPN's top 25. Well, that's because we just don't know how good the Barricades, the Adais, the Yad Vides, all the freshmen are going to be for Mick Cronin. When it comes to looking 
at the draft potential for these two guys. A Diamara, simply because he's 7'3", a Spaniard, a name that's become a little bit more of a household name than Bedeke's is, at least so far in the U.S. side of things. A is getting some love, and he's arguably a first-round pick in the top 24. Could be a lottery pick. I've talked about that in the summer. And maybe the number one center in the class of 24 heading into the NBA draft. While Bedeke is somewhat stuck in maybe a crowded 2024 small forward class, could be a power forward, depending on how he classifies, but he stands 6'8", 6'9", in a class that includes a couple of guys in the G League. Ron Holland was a top recruit that went G League. You've got Mackenzie Mbako. You've got a lot of guys. And Bedeke, in, uh, looking at NBA draft room, Bedeke might actually slot in as the number eight overall small forward when it comes to ranking them for the top draft picks in 24, maybe 25, if Bedeke doesn't even stay more than a year. Mick Cronin has come out clearly and said before or during the Spain trip, I forgot when it was, had a, had a little press conference, and he went out and said, we've got three NBA first-rounders that aren't even playing with us on this Spain trip, talking about, obviously, a Dembona returning, which could either help or hurt the amount of playing time Mara gets versus what Bedeke brings to the table, and he is listed as one of those guys as an NBA first-rounder next year already in McCronin's minds. That's the energy and passion they're expecting from Buyuk Tunjel coming over from Turkey. So for the youngster who the Bruins had recruited, even for the class of 22, bring him over in the class of 23, is a guy who I think his biggest asset, maybe not his biggest asset, but the most important thing he can develop to become an important Bruin, not that he are, he won't be, but to become a unique Bruin in this unique season is how much he can develop his shooting from outside. If he can be that guy that shoots the three ball pretty well, I know Lazo Stefanovic is expected to be somewhat of a shooter or help those shooting numbers with Singleton gone. I'm just not sure who's going to help the three-point shooting this season for UCLA. If Bedeke can develop that, his physicality, the ability to play defense, his athleticism getting to the rim from highlights, from write-ups, everything in between, his ability to maybe defend, as he said in the Bro Report interview he had when he was getting to campus, is the ability to defend any position, you play any position is what he was telling them. Can he develop as an outside shooter? Can he develop that three-point shot consistently? Of course, it's one thing for the college game then to get it to the NBA level. UCLA needs more consistent three-point shooting, and I'm just not sure what Bedeke can bring this year. There's different highlights. There's different things. He can set good screens, turn into a pick-and-pop type guy, and get shooters open. But the biggest thing is, UCLA doesn't have many shooters to get open this year. He might need to be that guy that sets a screen on a pick and roll, pops out, shoots the three, and knocks it down from the wing. If he can develop that three-point shot, I think that gives him an edge over a Diamara for Pac-12 freshman of the year just by developing a three-point shot alone. His defense, his energy from what I've seen, and just the ability to maybe get to the rim from the left hand from with his left hand He can do things on both sides of the court. Can he do that consistently throughout the season? I think he'll be expected to start this season. While we don't know, it's all premature as to starting, awards, everything. The most important thing is for Buyuk Tunjel to get a three-point shot. Not that he doesn't have one, but UCLA, you looked up and down their roster. There aren't many names you're going to circle as guys you want shooting the the three-pointer or a three-pointer consistently. And we hope Bedeke can be one of those guys. Maybe he doesn't do it in a volume setting. He just needs to do it 
efficiently, even if it's in a small amount of shots, a, a lower volume than the rest, right? We saw what Mac did, a lot of shots. Now maybe Vedeke, when it comes to the three-point shot, can do that with much less. A Daimata, the biggest thing is how will the Bruins pair him with a Dambona? If the two can play together very well on the floor, then UCLA can be in for a unique, fun season where they have arguably the biggest roster in the country in terms of guys who can contribute on the floor at the same time. There's been comparisons to Mara and Bona being in a Purdue situation when they had Travion Williams and Zach Eady prior to the last season when they had it two years ago. I'm not entirely sure what the likes of Mick Cronin. I'm not sure what's in his mind, what he's seen. But the development of Daimara, the mobility is one of the biggest things. If he can get up and down the floor very quickly, then UCLA, I think, will have found themselves a very unique player, someone who can pass the ball well, who can somewhat defend at the rim. But if he's slow and gets pulled out to the wing, teams can attack him. It just helps that if he's on the floor with Bona, you've got a super athletic rim protector, or maybe you can stick Mara back in the paint and have Bona go out and use his athleticism against the more athletic bigs or more athletic smaller fours and fives that teams might use against him. Mara, a good passer, he can go in the paint, the ability to have the lobs over the defense, just isn't the most explosive player. I'm reading this again from NBA Draft Room. And if he can improve his explode the explosion up vertically, if he can get up and down the court quickly, then UCLA could have two big men who can run the floor potentially at the same time and be a super dominant team. And we saw how Amari Bailey, he was good, but him missing those games, watching a Dembona, maybe not necessarily take over games, but the importance he meant to UCLA by missing that game, those two games in the tournament, ended up costing UCLA an even, a chance to go even deeper in the tournament. If Mara can develop and find a way to become even more explosive for the youngster, he will be a top pick in the NBA in 2024. He can shoot it a little bit better than he looks, maybe not the most explosive and dynamite shooter that you expect, but might be able to hit occasional threes once or twice. I would lean Bedeke initially. You've probably seen this all around, but Bedeke might actually be the guy that can put in more immediate success for UCLA in numbers but they, the NBA people might go based off of potential. And since he's 7-3, if Mara shows any potential this season with UCLA, he would go higher in a drafting board in 2024. I do think, though, that Berke has a better inside track in what McCronin might ask him to do and his various skills compared to Mara to win Pac-12 freshman of the year or be that important this season for UCLA. Up and down, Mac is going to be very important. Yet to see how the youngsters, Devin and Brandon Williams, will be used this season. Jan Vide, Elon Fible, how their development means. Vide will be a big impact in the backcourt if he earns a lot of minutes alongside Dylan Andrews or backing up Andrews. So there's so many different guys that could easily win it. I felt, hey, let's think about what Bedeke and Adai can bring to this team in a UCLA successful season. If the class comes and lays a stinker, then that's going to be a terrible, terrible season for UCLA. But if most of these guys click right away, then the Bruins could be in for a very fun season for a team that's not even ranked currently in one preseason way too early top 25 poll and is barely hovering around the sixth line on Joe Lenardi's bracketology going into the season. I know it's all yada, 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 hearsay, everything. The question marks, they're just there. 
Not that they're bad question marks. Sometimes it's just the I don't knows heading into the season. One funny little tidbit, maybe not a funny tidbit. One Bruin was traded in the Damian Lillard trade. As we wrap up the first segment, though, a little fun teaser for you. Of course, by the time you've heard this and seen this, you'll have heard the Damian Lillard trade that was sent shockwaves around the NBA. A Bruin was traded, just not the one we expected. It was Drew Holiday that was sent in the deal as opposed to Jaime Hawkins Jr. that sent maybe Heat fans ablaze, right? You had Jimmy Butler sitting there on social media crying foul and talking about the likes of, hey, was there tampering? Well, a Bruin was traded. We somewhat expected that maybe as a potential landing spot for Lillard with a contender. It just happened to be Drew Holiday, which means Jaime Hawkins Jr. gets to earn his time as an NBA first-round pick. Barring something super, super dramatic at the end here, he will be staying with the Miami Heat and earning his keep with a lot of veteran players and hopefully a good rookie season as we hope another Bruin in his new in his new digs in Drew Holiday, no longer a Buck, can find a way to be successful away from Milwaukee. So Dillard now with the Bucks, Giannis, that could be a whole other conversation. Speaking about unique big men that eventually develop like Giannis did, you hope Mara does that, Berke turns into a good player. Just a big UCLA basketball news day of some sorts for one reason or another. Going into this next segment, I'm thinking, hey, UCLA football recruiting. Not any big football news coming around during bye week at the moment. Already teased a little bit of Cam Ward. Mel Tucker got fired, and UCLA's already offered one of a Michigan State commit. Maybe no longer, but who does UCLA have to compete against, according to 24-7 Sports? And then... UCLA might have to fight for a commit they already have as he goes to visit another school. We'll talk about that coming up next on Locked On UCLA. Did you burn your last piece of toast? Avocado's gone bad. Maybe the hot sauce bottle's empty. Maybe you need some good sauce to, to dip in with your chips, whatever it may be. You can try grocery delivery from DoorDash. You'll get everything you want delivered when you need it right to your door. I think that all sounds fantastic, right? How many times do I sit here wondering, man, I've got a checklist of things to do during the day and I'm out of something. Do I want to go to the grocery store or could I use DoorDash? Well, if you want more value, you can even save on all your grocery and restaurant favorites with a $0 delivery fee on all eligible orders with a Dash Pass, Dash Pass membership. Get 50% off your first DoorDash order up to $20 value when you use the code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE at checkout. That's a limited time offer. Terms apply. 50% off up to $20, no minimum subtotal, and zero delivery fees on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE, don't forget that's LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for 50% off your first order with DoorDash. Cruising on to the second segment here of Locked On UCLA, the Bruins, you know, while the season's going on in 2023, it's only getting a little bit closer that the Big Ten season, the Big Ten membership will begin with Chip Kelly and all the UCLA big-time sports moving over to that conference affiliation. And what does Chip Kelly find a way to either improve, continue, or change his recruiting strategy, especially of high schoolers heading into the Big Ten move? The two biggest stories, reading from Bro Report 24-7 Sports, the UCLA site, reporting one that hey the the one of the bigger stories with mel tucker being fired reggie powers who's one of the top commits in michigan state's class the bruins already offered him i've already talked about it 
He recently decommitted the Ohio safety and has reopened his recruitment. 6'1", 200 pounds, got offers from Oklahoma, UCLA sent in an offer, even Louisville, Pittsburgh, Michigan, Wisconsin, and Utah all peaked in. And if you're seeing the hype of Michigan right now, the love from Washington with Michael Penix Jr., you know, Kalen DeBoer will be in on that. And hey, even Kyle Whittingham can say, look what my defense can do and make these other teams look like. He might try and go get Reggie Powers. Ole Miss has even reached out. So initially a June commitment for Reggie Powers, but considering the situation that's led to the Mel Tucker situation in the Michigan State battle between those two sides, he has now reopened his commitment, a four-star recruit, and might start beginning to schedule visits with the likes of a UCLA and maybe the Bruins this late in the this late in the recruiting, maybe not so late, obviously, considering when they got Dante Moore, but a little later in the season are going after Powers, Danton Lynn, trying to get his first true recruit heading into the 24 season about, hey, this is what we're trying to build defensively. Can he use all the other coaches? Can the Bruins go steal Reggie Powers? They've already gotten a Jameer Benjamin after he decommitted from Stanford, fired coach. Then you've got the likes of the Northwestern, another coaching situation for a completely different region. And then Benjamin eventually came and committed to UCLA with his athleticism. The Bruins wanted to take advantage of this situation, not take advantage would probably not be the right word, but wanted to get this commit. He's wide open, which transitions into the, another commitment talk where Derek McFall, he committed a Tyler, Texas native. You, one of UCLA's top recruits, an athlete of a four star ability. He's committed to UCLA already you would think his commitment's closed. So they're already trying to grab Powers, whose commitment has reopened. And then you've got Derek McFall, who is about to, according to the the Bro Report and 24-7 Sports, take a visit to SMU during UCLA's bye week, or approximately. He committed to UCLA in August, plays his seven-on-seven ball. Yes, you got travel ball, you got AAU ball, football. What have they got in the spring? They've got seven-on-seven ball with an L.A.-based organization, the California Power. The biggest thing, though, is he's committed to UCLA. His visit will be later in 2023, and he's going to SMU on an official visit in his home state. He had SMU, Louisville, Auburn, Arkansas, Colorado, and other schools deeper in. And seeing what Deion Sanders did with his roster this year, you have to think even Deion, if he's somewhat interested in Derek McFall, He's going to throw his hat in the ring even more if he smells blood in the water about, hey, McFall might decommit. That might be later down the line, considering he's focused on the season. UCLA gets that official visit later. Remember, as I already said, he has not officially visited the UCLA campus and committed without doing so. Could be a little bit scary with one of UCLA's top athletic recruits in the class of 2024. We saw last year... The Bruins lost Roderick Robinson later in the the cycle, right? He would have been an outstanding running back commit. The Bruins said, all right, we've got TJ Harden coming in. He's supposed to jump up leaps and bounds this year, then bring in Carson Seals, a transfer, to have two workhorse backs. So in the end, losing out on that top recruit last year didn't mean anything because they got something even better, a top-ranked quarterback that's currently their starter and a true freshman than Dante Moore. Now, from the official commitment of Derek Fall happening in August. You hope that he doesn't change his mind. Still, as we've seen this day and age with all the high schoolers, all the kids, 
if an NIL deal is a bigger package, say at SMU for some reason, than what he's getting potentially at UCLA, a bigger opportunity with SMU, considering they're trying to move up and do bigger and better things while the Bruins are moving over to the Big Ten to do bigger and better things. Will that change his willingness to go west or will he stay in his home state? Uh, I don't know what that looks like at this moment, but it's something to look like. I've always felt it a bit unique for are you going to commit to this school without ever going? Are you going to commit and then keep go- visiting other, other schools, right? It's not exactly like the dating world nowadays where it's like, I'm not going to commit to this. I'm going to keep perusing, but half commit. We're going to be exclusive. What does exclusivity mean? I know it's a little different with commitments, and that is a little bit different when it comes to grades, NAL packages, and situations. That all changes in a youngster's life, but still – you hope UCLA is able to retain Derek McFall despite this official visit coming up to SMU and that his to UCLA is later on in 2023. We'll see how that plays out. Cruising on into the final segment of Locked On UCLA, we're talking UCLA hoops because the Athletic recently dropped their preseason top 25. And we've talked about the hype of UCLA and Corey Close's bunch this year. They may be on the short list for national championship contenders. I know losing overseas was not the the best thing, but depending on how they played and who they played, they didn't even release some of the box scores for some of those games, and they won by 100. Can UCLA win or be at least in the Final Four contention this year? Absolutely. We'll talk about that next on Locked On UCLA. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected, which is why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you a peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in emergency. Jace Medical makes you have and makes sure you have the medication in hand. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Get $20 off on these lines on these life-saving antibiotics today from Jace Medical by using the code locked on at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J A S E medical.com. Third and final segment wrapping up locked on UCLA today. The UCLA women making a little bit of some waves across the country considering they had the return of Cam Brown, the return of Charisma Osborne. Then you had the fabulous freshman class going into the 22 campaign where you brought the Kiki Rice, the London Jones, you have the, the Lena Sontags on top of having Gabby Hawkes, the younger, the younger sibling of Jaime Hawkes Jr., who had some fantastic numbers in her freshman year. A lot of different players who did some big things. So you got two starters returning. You still have Bissoir who is returning, but two starters that were not expected maybe to return. And then you get the big top recruit of that recruiting class with all these sophomores, Lauren Betts transferring out of Stanford to come to UCLA. So a team that had many chances to knock off some top dogs in 21 to 20 in 22 to 23, I should say many opportunities to do so. The Bruins, you know, eventually beat Stanford, got to the sweet 16 competed at South Carolina only to eventually lose to them in the NCAA tournament have found a team that could be very fairly competitive in a year where it might be a little bit more wide open in the women's bracket than we may think. 
LSU is probably going to get a lot of the hype heading into this year, and that's, of course, the right move. They, the defending champs, you've got UConn. They're getting their star player back. Gino Ariema is probably foaming at the mouth because he hasn't won in quite a few years. South Carolina is number four. Utah is number five. But UCLA is actually ranked number three in the preseason top 25 on the women's rankings from the athletic. I thought UCLA would be a top-tier team, a top, top-ranked top team. But when you bring back so much, this is arguably Corey Close's best team to have a chance to win a championship. I know there are some thoughts about her chances when COVID happened and canceled the tournament. This is clearly a team that's got even more veteran leadership. The youngsters have grown a year. How much can they get the development out of Lauren Betts, a true post-presence that the Bruins didn't have last year when they went against Don Staley in South Carolina in the tournament or when they would play Stanford and get blocked and swatted in the paint by Cameron Brink and company. Now that they have a post-presence, and hopefully Betts can develop into that, one of the top recruits in her class, alongside many of her teammates like Kiki Rice, London Jones, Hawkins, and more. I'm just naming off all these players who all showed moments of greatness. It was the Bruins' ability or lack thereof to close out games in 22 to 23 that hurt their seeding before they figured it out into the Pac-12 tournament, heading to the finale in the Pac-12 tournament, and got them a decent seed line only to find themselves headed to play South Carolina in the Sweet 16. This year, the Bruins are expected to be a little bit better in the preseason than South Carolina. I'm not going to say that's going to change or for Utah, but that's how good the Bruins are expected to be this year, which is why Pauly Pavilion should be packed all year long for both the men and the women. If you're expecting this good of a team this year, this is as good of a chance as UCLA is going to have. Considering what they've brought, they do have some top-tier commits already going into the class of 24 in a recruit from the Central Coast, another, I believe, overseas recruit, if I'm remembering correctly off the top of my head. They've got some top-tier recruits. Close has been recruiting really good, tapped into the portal, and grabbed a cross-rival, an inter-conference rival's top recruit. Said, all right, come to UCLA. We've got a spot and some playing time for you if she can earn it. All of a sudden, UCLA can have a facet of some solid defense. You've got post-interior, some big shooting. You've got a leading scorer in Osborne, hopefully a little bit more efficiency in her final campaign as a collegiate player. And then how much can the other players develop from freshman into sophomore campaigns? London Jones had some absolute breakout performances in her freshman season. How much can Hawkins? It's just a lot of excitement going into this year. Heck, the last time they played, they won by like 100-plus points overseas. What is that going to mean? It doesn't mean much because they're playing a team that was ill and missed a lot of players. Still, UCLA has a lot of expectations this year in their last year in the Pac-12 before they head into the Big Ten and face the teams like Iowa, which won't have Caitlin Clark then. And then they'll face other decent programs, but it won't be like going against the Arizonas, the Stanfords, scrapping against a good Utah team, or USC, which has been a dogfight to beat in the last couple of seasons for UCLA. How can this all plan out, play out? Well, it's just got to give this, Bruin, this Bruins team a lot of support for a preseason number three. We'll see what the other preseason ranks rankings look like. For now, the Bruins look ready to go. And, hey, I'm excited. Could you imagine them number three, the inside track, potentially to get to a Final Four? 
that would be a fun time if both teams can be competing late in the season in March. For now, it's time to wrap this one up. Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer signing off. Get your hands up, Bruins fans. Eight clap time, baby. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. U-C-L-A. UCLA fight, fight, fights. This has been Locked On UCLA. Go Bruins.